0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: This is as hard as you think it is. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Get away from us, loser. With Margaret Aples
1: and Amy Wilson. I did seem like kind of a weirdo in the hallways. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to.
0: Better you than me, (laughs) lady. of one, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is
1: Amy. And today we're going to talk about what to do when your kid is rejected. If
0: anything, maybe the answer is nothing, but maybe sometimes something. Mm, the answer is probably not nothing all the time. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. The answer is nothing. <laughs> Goodbye and good night. Thanks for listening. Right. You're totally set. This is one you don't have to worry about. Please subscribe and rate our podcast. Goodbye. Let's start with mailbag. Oh, Amy, you, I have to give you a back pat, Amy. You have really gotten good at Mailbag. Thanks. You've really upped your game. You're not forgetting Mailbag anymore. And you know I'm never going to remember it. So it's up to you. A nation turns its lonely eyes to you, Amy.
2: Mailbag.
1: This one came in from our website and it was funny. Kimberly, she wrote us on our website and left a comment saying, is this mailbag? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Is this mailbag? Is this mailbag? You can send us an Instagram, DM, Facebook comment. You can hire a plane to fly over our homes. Sure. Email us info at com. You know, whatevs. But Kimberly found us on our website and she said, I wanted to comment on how much I identified with Margaret's thoughts on living through the young child years during the recent mom rage episode. I moved overseas with a two-year-old and a six-week-old, knew no one, had only a double stroller for a vehicle, and barely made it through each day. When I have to, talk about those years, people always say, oh, what an adventure. But internally, I shudder. I always refer to that time period as the dark years, at least in my head, and I prefer not to remember them. Margaret, thank you for making me feel like I'm not the only one.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. You're not (laughs) the only one. And I come by it, honestly, because my mother, when I would ask her, she had three kids in three years, almost exactly. June, September, September births. And I would ask her questions when I had young kids and she would always say, I I have no idea. I blocked those years out. I don't know. I would say, well, how did you do it with the No idea. I don't think about those days. I blocked them out. Yeah. I mean,
1: they're not all terrible for sure, but they're not all great.
0: Yeah. I mean, love a baby snuggle. Love it. I was somewhere recently and there was, uh, we were at the beach and there was, you know, six different families with these tiny little babies. And I thought... They're adorable, but better you than me, people. Better you than me. You're getting ready to be a Nona. You're closer to Nona than to newborn age, as am I, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the hag who comes out of the fog. I'm like, better you than me, lady. I used to wonder what was those ladies deal. Now I'm starting to get it. (laughs) Yeah, I am that lady and no shame in my game. I do not come up to people and give them random advice. I do not say anything. I just walk by and I go, oh, and then I run. I run away from them. Nope. I've learned I don't
1: comment on a pregnant woman's size because I hated it so much when people did it to me. Like not you're carrying small, you're carrying big. When do you do? Are you having twins? Like any of that nonsense? Nope. And now I know from doing this podcast not to say, oh my gosh, your baby's so teeny. Your baby's so chubby. You're, you know, like, nope. Just don't talk about people's size. Just leave it alone, even if it's an adorable, bouncing baby.
0: Leave it alone. And can I just say, this is a total tangent. We'll get there to pure rejection. Just a PSA from my own life this week. Don't ever ask anyone if they're pregnant, unless you're 100% sure they're pregnant. (sighs) Had a woman approach me this week and say, are you? And I really tried with my eyes to be like, don't finish that sentence. Don't finish that sentence. Jeez. And she just leaned in and she was like... I mean, I could see where it was going. I tried to head it off the pass. She landed pregnant. And I was like, I have to say, I was just like, lady, I'm 50. No, I'm not pregnant. And get away from me. And what did she, was she like a horrified and apologetic? She was like, now I'm embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, now we're both embarrassed. Good. (laughs) Friends. And I will say, I saw somebody the other day, they were wearing a kind of a ampere waist. Is that how we say it? Yes. Those are so dangerous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dangerous. And yes, the tight on the top and then it goes flowy right under the boobs. And I turned quickly and I thought, oh, she's pregnant. And I took a intake of breath. And then I metaphorically stabbed myself in the back of the hand with a pencil. And I thought, don't say it. Zip it. Yeah. Zip it. They can bring it up. And then when they bring it up, you can say, oh, I didn't want to say anything just in case. But yes, congratulations. Right. Right. All right. PSA and mailbag complete. Let's talk about peer rejection, Amy. When your kid is rejected. Well, there's a couple kinds
1: of rejection that I thought we could talk about today. There's peer rejection. There's like coach teacher rejection. And then there's institutional rejection. Oh, my. Lots of rejection. Like Not getting into college. Yeah. So but let's start with the sort of ages and stages, most widely applicable, I think, version of this, which is when. Your kids are rejected by their peers and how painful that can be for us.
0: It stinks. And let me tell you, for people with little littles, this is I've got tweens and it really gets started, you know, their best little friend from childhood. And now that person won't invite them to their birthday party anymore. It's tough.
1: that stuff happens like the tween years are when it gets more painful. But also, I think when it starts happening, period. Right. I mean, there's I'm trying to think about like the sandbox years.
0: Maybe like Bobby's annoying or whatever, but it isn't like, yeah, I feel like the moms are so in charge in the little years that you don't really deal with it that much. Right. You might deal with it as like someone stops inviting you and your kid over because they're annoyed by your kid. That definitely happened to me when I was younger. And that stings, but it doesn't sting. It's the hard thing because you're taking the blow. The hard thing is your kids start taking the blow and you have no control over it. I do think that gets worse with worse with age. Can I make another PSA? Because I just saw this this week and I thought
1: it was such an important lesson for all of us all the time. We need a little sting. That's like the more, you know, don't ask people if they're pregnant. The more, you know, somebody put on social media invitation to a birthday party that her daughter had received. And it was a pool party. And she said, like, my daughter uses a a wheelchair. And often, we won't get invited to parties like this if they're at the amusement park, or they're at the, you know, I don't know if it's some outdoor activity. The other parent will assume, well, this would be difficult for this child who isn't able to participate, like some of the classmates will. And so we just won't invite the kid because that would make them feel bad. This parent said, always invite my kid, always invite my kid that she, this mother wrote back to the other mother and said, thank you for including me. Thank you for letting me worry about how my kid can participate in this and not presume that my kid should just be left out because that's such painful rejection that this yes mother has to deal with for her kid, with, you know,
0: not cruel intentions, but thoughtless. It also makes me think as we have this discussion, talking about your kid as the rejectee and also the rejector. Because that's something I didn't really see coming that like your child changing their friendships and deciding who they want to be friends with and you trying to be like, but what about Cindy? You guys used to be so close and for whatever reason, they're not close with Cindy anymore. Mm -hmm. And you see that they're kind of rejecting somebody and maybe you don't agree with their reasons or you see the problems in that. And you still don't have a lot of control over that. That took me by surprise. My daughter is about to graduate from her grade school. She's been with the same kids since she
1: was three. So she's about to graduate from eighth grade. And I'm watching. It reminds me of that ride at the amusement park that uses like centrifugal force to pin you to the side. You know, the one I mean, it spins you around really fast. You don't have a belt because you don't need one because you're spinning fast. This thing is spinning. I'm actually getting nauseous just thinking about that. Ride. But yes, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. This should come with a content warning this episode, yeah, I hate that ride. But that's what's happening. Like the kids are getting ready to leave and there's so much anxiety and just like they're about to just be rocket shipped out into space. And by the way, particularly weird thing about New York City, this grade has 32 kids in it. They're going to go to like 26 different high schools. Like these kids really, they're not just going to like move to a different school and get a new locker and see the same kids. They grew up together and now they're being shot in every different direction. They will not. Yeah. They'll bump into each other and never be together as a group again. That's intense. And so anyway the friend shifting and alliance rejiggering that is happening at this frantic pace during the last couple of weeks of school has been really strange to witness and Difficult when it involves kids that, as you said, your kid has known all your life. I feel like my kid is kind of on both sides of it. I'm friends with the other moms. We have to kind of stand back. We're telling ourselves, like, it's only a couple more weeks of this, so let's just let this happen. But it's weird. It's almost something that needs to happen and you need to let it happen sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I think I have seen my kids be rejected for reasons that I project as like, oh, you're small minded or you're not generous enough as a person. And, you know, I'm friends with a lot of the parents and it gets into some tricky area of like, well, why aren't you telling your kid to be nicer to my kid? And then I have also seen my kids move on from friendships that are I know their parents are feeling that same way. Like, well, you should stand by my kid. You were friends when you were little. It's very difficult? I hope you have some studies and answers for me.
1: Well, there's sort of a difficult truth that we need to bring in as part of this, I think, which is that kids, sometimes kids are rejected by their peers for absolutely no good reason. And sometimes. They're rejected by their peers because they have ADHD, because they won't stop talking during class, because they won't stop touching other kids or whatever is happening. There are behavioral things that are causing your kid to be rejected by their peers. And it can be very painful for us as parents to even potentially acknowledge that. But I'm thinking of one example of a kid that my kid was asked to include more often. And when I talked to my kid about it, my kid was like, that kid is really difficult to be in class with and really makes it hard to be in relationship with. And if you make this my problem, right, to like, make sure this kid is brought along, then I'm going to be standing alone with this other kid who is Asking for attention in the most unlovable of ways. And I think sometimes when our kid is rejected, it's hard for us because we have to face like our kid is maybe being annoying or pushy or giving unwanted attention.
0: Right. And some of those behaviors are outside of the kid's control. So you wouldn't let your kid say, well, I'm not going to be friends with the kid of a different race or who has, who's in a wheelchair, like those things you would talk them through. And like, where are these lines? Like there are fundamental things that present with kids that, but at the same time, I also find this sometimes having a daughter that I was raised, you know, to be nice. And that's a great lesson. But I have also been in situations where I continued to be nice to someone who was really being kind of abusive or dangerous to me. And like, where is that line? Like, I don't want to teach my daughter, like, no matter what behavior comes at you, you have to be nice to someone when someone is being inappropriate or difficult or unpleasant to you. You can draw that boundary and walk away. It's a very soupy thing that goes on. And I have kids who exist in all parts of this constellation, and it's extremely painful and difficult. I'll give
1: you a quote from Rebecca Fraser-Phil, who's a psychologist. She talking about these sort of difficult behaviors that might be being exhibited by your kid who is being rejected. She says, rejected kids are often either aggressive or anxious and withdrawn. That's what I did when I was the rejected one. In either case, adults have to take the time to determine whether these behaviors that are related to the rejection are the cause of the rejection or the result, because that will help you weigh in. But can't they be both? Sure. Well, in my example, I'm going to talk about myself because that's the easiest thing to do. I was in high school very ostracized by a group of girls for a long time. And I remember well, my first way of reacting to it was like turtle shelling, right? Like, getting really small, acting really vulnerable, walking through the hallways kind of hunched over sort of like play acting penitence so that it would be over with sooner. And they let me back into their good graces. That's completely counterproductive to behave like that in a high school, right? Like I'm going to keep my eyes downcast and act really scared and
0: weird and not look at or talk to anybody. Sure. Because fundamentally, there's some like alpha dominance animal behavior going on, which is like we're dominating you. And then the more beta you become, the more alpha they become towards you. Sure. Right. And at least the other kids who weren't involved, like,
1: well, what's up? I mean, in my mind, right, in my high school world, literally everybody woke up every morning thinking about how everyone wasn't talking to me. Right. I
0: think that was largely made up in my head. Some kids thought about it. Your story was I there's a giant bright spotlight on me and everyone knows what's going on with me.
1: Right. Everybody knows. Right. And I went to a large public high school where I, there were hundreds of kids who had, didn't know or care this was going on, but I did seem like kind of a weirdo in the hallways, right? So I was unthinkingly making my rejection worse by the way I was reacting to it. It wasn't my fault, but what I was doing wasn't helping.
0: And were there adults involved in the situation at all? Eventually, yeah. Okay. And were those adults parents or were they school people? A teacher. Mm. A teacher got involved
1: and called, you know, me and these other girls into a room like, this is going to stop right now. And that didn't go so well. In fact, that made it worse. Right. Exactly. Again, with the best of intentions, she made it worse. What made it better was time and me really realizing I didn't care if these girls were going to be friends with me anymore or not. That's really what changed it. But you can't. My mother could have told me every day, like, who cares what they think? And I'm sure she did. But that did me zero Good. I actually have thought about why that is. Can we talk about that after this? Yes. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers.
0: By your very mean peers who I do not like and I'm on your side. <laughs> and you were going to tell us a revelation. I wanted to say before I start, because
1: we've talked about this before, like I gave as good as I got, like not at the same time, but like we all of us have been a sinner and sinned against in this way, I think. Correct. It, well, that's a good, it, but it's always good to point out. Right. Anyway, there was a study I thought this was really interesting because I was saying before that my parents' reaction might be like, they're not real friends. Just forget about it. Just like, let's go out for ice cream, right? Like, let's try to minimize this so this kid can move past it. But that's the wrong way to approach it with the kid who is being rejected to try to minimize what's happening and make it seem not real. Like their pain is real. There was a study where they asked people, this is pretty hilarious study, went out looking for people who had recently gone through painful breakups, adults, this was.
0: And then they just stop people on the street. Hi, have you recently gone through a... They look for like people eating Doritos and crying while watching TV. Exactly. Their sourcing mechanism, I don't know what it was, but they had people who were gone through a breakup and were really sad about it.
1: And they asked them to, you know, hook them up to all these wires and stuff to measure their brain activity. And they had them look at a picture of their ex and really engage with the pain of the breakup. And then they also had them like they put like a really uncomfortably hot thing on their arm. It's designed to cause pain without being harmful, but it feels harmful. Can I guess the result? Yeah, go ahead. Looking at their ex was worse. Well, At least it was the same. It was like the same parts of the brain lit up the most. And even more interestingly, when we emotional pain is more painful than physical pain, because other studies have shown that you can recreate that like I could sit here for you, like I can open up a vein and go back to high school pretty quickly and remember the pain of that time. I can't remember my broken wrist when I was 13. And what that felt like, but I can remember being rejected.
0: Right? You can't even remember childbirth, you did it three times, right? Like you, you, you missed the memo somehow. Yeah, right. But the emotional pain that
1: we feel It sticks around and it's like accessible and fresh in a whole different way. So when we have a kid who's being rejected, saying like that it's not happening or it's not that big a deal is exactly what we
0: don't mind. I agree with that. I have a couple of thoughts on this in terms of dealing with it in my own family. Going back to the thing of are there underlying behaviors or factors that are causing this to happen? I think when appropriate... It's difficult because let's say, you know, that like Bobby's mom and dad are getting divorced and that Bobby is starting to act out in class and be really obnoxious and, you know, his behaviors are driving him away from your kids that you can't really say to your kids like, oh, Bobby's parents are getting divorced. That's what's going on because you don't want to give them information that's not appropriate. Yeah. But I do think there's room in general and it's something that is more in the conversation in general that you can say, you know, some kids have a lot of trouble with impulse control and it sounds like that's what's going on with this kid. You can try to give them some context for kids' behaviors. You don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's having a hard time and sometimes kids act obnoxiously when they're having a hard time and it can be really hard to maintain those friendships. But keep in mind that, you know, there might be something going on and you can keep trying. You know, that's something that I try to offer my kids. Like, You don't have to put yourself in an abusive or a bad situation, but keep trying and start from the point of being kind, but don't let yourself be treated badly. And I think you need to present both of those things to kids, because I do think that only presenting like kindness is king is a problem because then you do end up in situations where I sat smiling through like dates where guys were really being creepy and like inappropriate and grossing me out because I was like I am nice you know and then I would finally kind of get to a point where I'm like you're hideous I never want to see you again you're a terrible person and it's like okay I wasn't actually being kind I was being fake you know and so I think telling those stories and helping your kids see the bigger picture. I also think that we understand things as adults in a really different way than kids understand them. And it's like we sometimes get trapped in the thing of trying to take the chip out of our brain and put it into our kid's brain and say... You don't understand that this kid is having a hard time because they have a difficult family situation. Your kid does not fundamentally understand that. And I think you have to understand how much control you have over it. Your parents and your teacher fundamentally just didn't have that much control over the really bad situation you were in. Right. And so I think the thing, having been in that situation, my sister was in that situation really, really badly, Whereas she had two years where she was so socially outcast that it was damaging. It wasn't funny. It wasn't a good story. She was like rejected by her peers in a sort of group effort that targeted her in a way that It's fine now. I mean, she's older and sees it in perspective. It didn't completely ruin her life. But I do know adults who have genuine like PTSD from bullying and like rejection behaviors that happened when they were kids. And I will say even and I I had a slightly less severe situation myself. And I do feel like I came home. It wasn't so much that my parents were like, don't worry about what those kids think. It wasn't so much what they said. It's that I came home and I was accepted within my own home. And I there was a normalcy to my house that gave me a certain kind of strength, that there was nothing they could really do about it. But I did understand that my parents thought they were foolish for their behavior and thought their behavior was bad and i respected my parents there was some way that i glimpsed a truth in that reality that was useful to me
1: what did taylor harris what was her quote about sit with me in the gap it was in a very different situation
0: i we were talking taylor harris wrote this amazing book called this boy we made about her child who has some complex medical needs and she was saying basically, oh, you know, I have to deal with the fact that I come from a super intellectual family. This kid may not be heading for this academic future. That was all of our dreams and what we were raised on. And I said, you know, but once you let go of that, it's so freeing. And she said, but what I ask people before they go to like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Don't worry about it. There's another path to sit with me in the gap to recognize the pain. And I think that's you're very perceptive to say that it's like You can't say to your kids, this doesn't matter, but you can sit with them in the pain of that and say, this is really painful what you're going through. I'm not sure there's a way for us as adults to solve this, but I'm here and sitting with you and kind of keeping you safe through it. I'm going to give you a quote from
1: Catherine Prudente. She's a psychotherapist talking about this. She says, many well-intentioned parents attempt to minimize feelings of disappointment for their kids, but we miss the big picture by validating our kids' experience, by allowing them to have those feelings. It makes them, she says, more able to feel and tolerate uncomfortable feelings, which will make them stronger, make it easier for them to tolerate discomfort, which as they move towards adulthood is something that they Need. We want to try to protect our kids from every unpleasant feeling and every disappointment and every uncomfortable feeling, but that's not actually our job as parents. Our job is to get them ready to handle these things.
0: Yeah. And I will offer to everyone listening that you're going to get this wrong a ton. I mean, I get it wrong all the time. I mean, when I have three tween agers right now and the amount of social drama that's going on, I can't dial into it all. And I do find myself constantly being like, Ugh, It doesn't matter. You guys fought about this two weeks ago. You said you were never going to be friends. You're friends again. Like, it's difficult not to minimize it because you see it so clearly as like, first of all, that kid's kind of lame. And like, I don't even care what they think about you. And also this constant drama, it's annoying and boring. So I'm going to sort of be annoyed and bored by it. (laughs) We can also go the other way. I have
1: definitely been guilty of... We did an episode about kid-friend breakups. I'm going to link to that in the show notes because it's a whole... It's about helping the kid deal with the friend. It's kind of related to this, but this is more about how it's adjacent. Anyway, we quoted Eileen Kennedy Moore in that episode, a parenting expert. And her advice was don't go lioness. Right. Like, it's hard for us to not be like, are you like if you were rude to my child, right, that we just come in like a fire breathing dragon at pickup and maybe calling the other parent. And maybe sometimes that's warranted. But we can also certainly overcorrect the other way too.
0: that. Oh, I clearly remember I was not a parent. I had my nephew at a beach. His mom was there, but we were all kind of, you know, they were all playing and we were kind of tag teaming and I saw a bunch of kids, my sweet, like, baby, like, chubby four-year-old nephew going over to a group of kids who, I'm not going to lie, reminded me of my tormentors from childhood, which did not help the situation, like, slightly, like, spoiled, like, rich-looking kids basically picking on the outsider. It was a trigger. Mm. And... He was like toddling up to them. He was maybe six. He wasn't a baby, but it was, they were definitely old enough to be mean. And like, what are you guys playing? And they were like, get away from us, loser. You know, they were basically just completely rejecting him and being super mean as like a gang of kids. And I went and confidently reported this to his mom. And I was like, and I'm going to bup up. And she's like, nope, you're going to just have to let him figure it out, you know? And I was like, but, but I could take them. I could beat them up. Like I can do it, you know? And she really had the perspective of, you know, if it gets physical, we'll intervene. But like, as long as it's just them being mean and rejecting him, like he'll figure that out. And it was so mind boggling to me. She was like, I'm not going to go over and find eight moms and tell them to be nice. I'm going to say to my kid, they don't want to play with you, find something else to do. You know, they weren't throwing sand in his face. They weren't tormenting. We've talked about this too, right? The difference between like bullying and a mean incident and that this wasn't a targeted campaign. This was a bunch of like kind of mean kids saying to another kid, we don't want to play with you. You're a weirdo. We don't know who you are. You're a stranger. And she was like, man, uh, let him work it out. I'm not going to stop my beach day and interfere. And it was like, I never, I just couldn't imagine that the possibility wasn't lioness.
1: I think there's probably I mean, I think she's right, looking back at it. And I think there might be a difference that we can delineate between he's at the beach one day. And if he can't dig that hole with those kids, he'll just go play over here. It's different to be bullying. To go back to what you're saying before, bullying is like targeted, repeated every day in your classroom can't escape, right? Like you don't have to make it work with these kids for the rest of the school year. This was just an afternoon at the beach. So that's a, a clearer indication that that is one you need to let go.
0: And I do think I had said to the kids like, "Hey, that's not very nice." I said something to the kids of like, "Hey, you're not being very nice." And she said basically like, "You handled it. Like you you said you're not being nice. I mean, you don't let people abuse each other in your sight." But it's just when you kind of dig in and decide that you're going to be the lioness and when you kind of let it go is tricky. It's a tricky one. One thing that I want to highlight that you found is another solution to this. This is from therapist Karen Young. Whether it's playing a musical instrument, ballet or a team sport, ensure your child's success is tied to their efforts, their character, and not the sort of untangible thing of what's going on socially that like I think we over dial into the idea of friendships are the defining thing about our children and navigating them and making sure they're okay are the only key to their happiness and in fact even when you were in your really bad social situation you were doing well in school you were playing an instrument you were in sports Your character wasn't only defined by whether or not the kids were being mean to you. You're helping your kids see that this conflict is one slice of everything that's going on with them.
1: I mean, it's an interesting segue because like, yes, your kid needs to have other things going on in her life. So it's like, go play soccer, go put your efforts into what really matters. And then they don't make the team, which is another form of rejection. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about that form of rejection. So I have been taking my Nutrafol regularly and oh my goodness, it works, friends. I'm here to say Ditto. It works. I mean, most of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. And yes, it's perfectly normal. But if you also see your part getting a little wider, join the
0: over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Nutrafol
1: has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow based on your age,
0: your lifestyle factors, because a one-size-fits-all approach to hair products isn't practical. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth by targeting key root causes of thinning, like stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol
1: is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LAUGHING.
0: Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code laughing.
1: That's Nutrafol.com, promo code laughing. And now, things you don't want to hear on your summer vacation. From the What Fresh Hell podcast.
0: Mom, it's your turn on the slip and slide. The water park's back open. Hooray! You'll get to spend your whole day walking around in your saggy bathing suit in a soup with 1,500 strangers.
1: Okay, ma'am, I looked at your air conditioner. Yeah, the uh, suction line dryer is
0: toast, but I can probably get that part for you sometime after Labor Day. Great news. Charlie got a spot in robotics. That'll be $2,000, and I'll take your credit card whenever you're ready.
1: Mom, it's your turn on the water trampoline.
0: No, I thought you put sunscreen on the kids. A four-day road trip? Yay! We can listen to We Don't Talk
1: About Bruno 437 times.
0: Sorry, Mom. I dropped my phone in the pool. Yeah, again.
1: Mom, it's your turn on the Thunder Coaster Loops of
0: Terror. This has been Things You Don't Want to Hear on Your Summer Vacation from the what fresh hell podcast All right, sports rejection. I got nothing cuz as we know my kids do not play sports. Okay, talking rejection. I
1: mean, this is sports rejection. This is didn't get the part in the play, didn't get in the play at all. I mean, this you didn't make travel band, you know whatever. This applies in a lot of places. Thank God you
0: didn't make travel band by the way. But go ahead. <laughs> my, talk about sliding doors. Travel band. Travel band. No thank you. Parent coach Kate
1: Roberts, I love this advice. She says, you know, when this happens, right, it's devastating when the cast list goes up and your name isn't on it at all, or you're a second townsperson when you want it to be Belle. But she says it's important in those moments. I need six eggs. Yeah. You're I need six eggs when you're like, you know, you're in eighth grade, you were supposed to get Belle. Kate Roberts says in these moments, you know, you make room for the child's reaction by keeping your own emotions in check. You need to separate your own disappointment out from your, you know, do this work elsewhere, right? Like, I'm so disappointed for her. This is so devastating. She's going to be so devastated. Do that elsewhere. Come back to neutral so that when your kid brings you this rejection or when you maybe have to present the kid this rejection because you got the email, that soccer team doesn't have her name on it, that you are a neutral sort of open space for your kid to react however she's going to react. Don't let your disappointment overtake like maybe she'll take it better than you thought she would. Maybe she'll take it horribly and you need to be there to sort of help her with that. But do your work ahead of time. So you're back to neutral before the kid reacts.
0: This is something I've truly learned from the podcast. And It's really solid. Not everything is a teachable moment. Not everything is a learning. Not everything is a half an hour conversation about, well, you know, I was an actress for years and let me tell you, I faced my share of rejection. It's not always for you to give them perspective. And you know, we've all had this with our spouses, right? Where I'm like, the guy at the gas station was acted like I didn't know anything about a car. And I did, and he's like, well, you know, from the gas station guy's point of view, it's like, no, 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 no. This is just, this stinks. I hate that guy. If it was legal, I would go kick him in the shins for you. And I think for our kids as moms, we make that mistake. And I make it all the time, which is, you know, You'll learn in these long years of life that friendships, they come and they go like golden flowers in the summer season. It's like, no, that stinks that he said that to you. You must feel terrible. Let's have some ice cream. Like, yes, it's not always our job to take everything and give our hard won wisdom to our children. It's very annoying when we do. To
1: prune it into this beautiful bonsai tree of disappointment that you'll be really glad you have someday. I mean... (laughs)
0: Right. No, it goes back to Taylor Harris. I think 90 percent of the time kids want us to just sit with them in the pain. They don't want us to, like, start carving a new route. Well, you know, it's really nice. Jimmy, have you ever considered being friends with Jimmy? Like, relax. Just let them say this hurts and it's terrible. And
1: yeah, don't rush to the solution. But can I give you an example, an extreme example of this for older kids? That's really hard. Yes. Is college is getting into college and not getting into college. Like the rat race is insane. And if you're not at this stage of your kid's life yet, what's really hard is now this whole early decision, early action thing. I mean, I won't bore you with the technicalities of it, but basically we are... You have a much greater chance of getting into a college you're excited about that's maybe a little bit harder to get into if you commit to it early. If you say, I want you, I pick you out of all the places I could go. So we do all this work telling our kids, like, you can go anywhere. There's literally 500 places you could be happy. Now pick one that's a little bit hard to get into and write a letter to them. Saying it's the most important thing of your life. You're the most, right. I pick you over all others. We tell them to do this. And then... The, you know, usual, well, I mean, it depends on the kid, it depends on the school, but a lot of kids will then get rejected by that school for reasons that you'll never understand after we've put them through that exercise, which seems kind of colossally unfair to me, but that's what we're doing. And so then we are put in this situation. So Elisa Heffernan wrote a really good article for Grown and Flown about this. So I'll put the link in the show notes. And we can link to her episode of the podcast. She was on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. She was on the podcast. I mean, this is a really important. This whole process, I did it with one of my kids, it's coming up next with another one of my kids, is a process to come to grips that it's not about you, it's about the kid, but you're still deeply involved because you have to be, and you still set up this silly thing where they have to pick one they want the most, and then they may or may not get in. It's really, really difficult.
0: There's a great book by Frank Bruni, New York Times writer, called Where You Go Isn't Who You'll Be. Check that out early and like lean in before you go into it. But you still have to. Yes.
1: Like that. You can have that mindset and you still have to do this nonsense if I pick you the most.
0: Yeah. No. and I mean, listen, a lot of this stuff is it's a mass hysteria that you have to participate in. Right. Like we've talked about it with kids sports. We've talked about it with a million different things. You know, it's crazy, but there's not really another way to do it. But I do think. Taking your own emotions out of it is the most important step for all of these things. Taking your emotions of like that punk kid, Phil, I had him in my house for Pizza Friday for six years and now he's going to turn on my kid. I'm good. I did kick it and you're up at night and, you know, drawing pictures of Phil in your mind and putting a big red X over his face. Like a lot of the work is work for ourselves to say, listen, none of this stuff is life and death. It, Is to be intervened on when there is true harm being done, (laughs) but our ability to control it is limited and accepting the things that we cannot change and changing the things we can not accept or whatever it is. Like, it's important to understand the difference between those things. I think you're spot on. And then with your kid, I'm
1: quoting parent coach Kate Roberts here, you know, you allow the space for the disappointment. You don't minimize it. You don't say it's not true. You also don't lean into it, right? You also don't like, I feel like there's a distance that has to occur. Like when your child is being rejected by her peers in ninth grade, you're not telling her it's nothing, but you're not reading every text and getting involved. Don't over-involve yourself either, right? Either emotionally by calling the other parents or even just taking it as seriously as she is, like be kind of a neutral space. And then when they're ready, then I think there are things you can do to help them find a new sport, a new friend. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking when one of my kids was in junior high school, a mom reached out to me, her son was had just been sort of like, you know, rejected by his best friend. And and our two kids actually did get along well. Like this was sort of an easier ask because our kids did like each other. And she's like, look, my kid's really struggling. He had this rejection. I would like to lean in on this. I would like to have your kid like over for a sleepover like once a month for the next couple of months if he'd like to. And let's see how it goes. Okay. And in this case, it totally worked. And they became very close friends for the rest of middle school. I do think there are things that we can do, but not always. And we have to begin with like with going back to neutral in our own reaction.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. There are actions that you can take, but you're not in control and you're not the center of the story. Like your kid who got rejected from the play is the center of the story. And it's not a story about I took this kid to tap lessons and voice lessons and I am Mama Rose and I always wanted to be a contender. And now the fact that my kid got I need six eggs instead of Bell is not really my fight you know? Do you think that's really called I Need Six Eggs in the program? It should be. It should. Well, there's a meme that I'm quoting. I'll try to find it and put it up where it's a meme and it's like who you think you are and it's Belle. And then who you really are is the lady in the head kerchief screaming, I need six eggs in the background. And so whoever, I'm sure the person who played that is a huge talent. I need six mm-hmm. eggs. But yes, it's a shortcut for things didn't work out. But I mean, I think I tend a little bit more towards the dismissive side of, I'm having some conflict, Amy, in my home right now. And I think when I was you know, talking to myself last night, possibly with some help from my husband who was talking to me, that I'm done. I'm tired. I want my kids to stop bothering me with all of their problems. And I get a little bit like, no. Forever or just for now? (laughs) Just for now. I'm just tired. I don't know what it's from, but there's an expression that my kid's sometimes yell, which is nobody cares. It must be a quote from something. But sometimes at dinner, someone's talking and one of my kids will just start yelling, nobody cares. It's a goof. I mean, it, they don't do it when the person's, you know, talking about their deep problems. They're like, oh my God, the new Fortnite update or whatever. And someone is like, nobody cares. <laughs> but I find that's my go-to reaction right now. And I have to check myself because I think a lot of the conflict that I'm having with my kids right now is because I'm like, does it matter? Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And they're sensing that for me. And I have to dial in a little bit more than I have been, because I tend to be the person who's a little bit like, oh, my parents were not involved in all this minutia with us. Like I solved my own problems. And my parents would not even they showed up at the night and they were like, you did great with I need six eggs. They did not spend three months working me through the problem of I did not get the part of Belle. And I tend to run a little bit like back in the old days, we didn't involve ourselves in our kids problems. And I think I get into conflict because I get a little too dismissive. And I'm trying to dial in a little bit more on like, hey, where are you at? How's it going? You know, I think it's uh, unfortunately, as we often determine, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And I also think that one thing we haven't drilled down on, we touched on it whether it's I need six eggs or the travel band, the horrifying idea you've introduced of traveled band. I don't think there is travel band, but God forbid, or the soccer squad or the friendship is that you only see your kid's part. You're your kid's protector. And sometimes you need to lay down your armor and say, we got to take the hit on this one because my kid is at a really difficult phase and I cannot make other kids like my kid. And my kid, for whatever reason, All of my kids are difficult for different reasons. They're not. What's the expression? You can't make everybody happy. You're not brownies. You know, like your kid can't make everybody happy. They're not for everybody. And you may think that they're the greatest soccer player in the world, but they didn't make the team. Like some of this is coming at it in full armor. Like, how dare you, Phil, reject my kid who is so awesome, even though I fed you pizza? Like. She's allowed to make that choice, too. It's as painful as a really hot pad being applied to your arm in a study. Exactly. Like, I didn't need to study to tell me that. It's super painful. But I think that the most profound thing you said today, Amy, of all your profound thoughts, is pulling it into, like, sitting in the gap, sitting in the hard place Versus fixing the hard place or denying the hard place is like a lot of times our job is to just sit in the hard place. And then you continue to put in your kids' path, like, hey, that seems like a kid who's having a hard time. It might not be the worst idea to offer them a little bit of friendship. And one last thing I will say that's coming up for me a lot right now, which is part of this, something I'm saying to my kids a lot that's not your fight. And so Bob was mean to Max, and I'm taking Bob's side. That's not your fight. If you're to be a good person is to be kind to people and not if you're one of six against one, my guess is you're doing something wrong, kid. Mm. That's not your fight. Somebody should have told the moms of the girls who were like, we all hate Amy. That's not an acceptable phrase in my house. We're all mad at Bob. No, you're not. That's not your fight. Right. And so I do think you can put You may not be able to fix it because there's a lot of peer pressure. And I have kids who've acted wrong because they've gone with the crowd. And we've talked about this, right? Like your only lifeline to the popular group is being mean to Bob. It's not a lot of seventh graders who are ready to like be a Spartacus and take that stand. Yes. But I think you should at least reflect to your kid. Like, I don't ever like to hear about six kids having an opinion about one kid. I don't like that way that sounds that that sounds really fishy to me, and I'm going to tell you I don't like the way that sounds.
1: I think we had some good ground rules today. yeah, no, not lioness, not Betty Draper like not indifferent.
0: right. just you know, sit in the gap. sit in the gap with your kids and when it's appropriate, offer them some perspective, but not every time. <laughs> But not all the time, solved it, but not all the time, rarely, I would say, rarely. perspective is to be used gingerly now that we've solved it.
1: Have you been to our merch store?
0: it's b i t
1: dot l y slash what fresh merch? We have to add to that store, by the way. This is as hard as you think it is. We've been told that we should add it.
0: This is as hard as you think it is. And sit in the gap, I'm thinking, might have to be one, too. A sit in the gap tote bag? I would carry that. Yeah. There's so much fun stuff there. There's What Fresh Hell shirts. There's Tweet Tweet tote bags. There's Toddler Purgatory merch. You got it all in our merch store, bit.ly slash What Fresh merch. Come and check it out. Until then, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
1: Margaret, it's an exciting news day.
0: An exciting news day
1: indeed. Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted
0: by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back